Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. All right, well, it's been a really cool study for my heart. I've had revelation every single week, even in the introduction, right? Like, even in the place that was kind of like, okay, we're talking about this, and here's where we're going, and I was like, oh, even there's revelation and all that, and then the overview from Michelle, revelation in that, the last two weeks of Harriet with the midwives and then the women and and then the women in his, in his life. So it was something really revelatory in every single piece of that. Well, today will be no different for my heart, and I hope for yours. I had revelation, and the quick, the quick story of it was the gals and I, Harriet, Michelle, and Nicole, and I went to um, D.C. back in June. We went to pray, we went to do some other things, but while we were there, we went to the Bible Museum. By the way, well done, Hobby Lobby, right? Hobby Lobby? I mean, well done. <laughs> well done. Congrats. You did it. Um, but we went, and we were, as we were walking through the display, they sit you down in this one little section when it's talking about Moses' life, and so you're sitting, and you're kind of feeling the moment. that They have a video playing, and you're hearing the Israelites are captive in all these places, right? And he was a baby, and then, you know, all the things. Exodus 1 and 2 is what we're watching. And then, all of a sudden, I think I was saying by all of a sudden, there is over to the right this whoosh, and the bush is on fire. And I mean, I had an audible moment with the Lord. I heard his voice, and I'm pretty sure I said some things. I don't even know what. But I, I knew in that moment there was a real God moment that he spoke to me. And, you know, how many times? Harriet talks about the felt board. I mean, how many, I have heard the story of the burning bush 500,000 times growing up in Sunday school. You know, it's not, so I thought, mm, I don't know if I can, you know, if this is going to be something that's going to resonate. But in that moment, in that moment, I felt something different than I had ever felt before. I saw it differently than I'd ever seen it before. So to me, that was revelatory. And in that, the Lord said, and I heard it in an audible voice, and I know I went, mm, new eyes. I heard new eyes. And what he told me was, you see what's been seen, but this time, you see the unseen in the scene. So I could look at that wall, and I could see the same thing if I want to look at it through temporal eyes, right? But if I want to look at it the way God wants me to see it, he's going to show me something different. And so I want to see the unseen in the scene. New eyes. Fresh revelation. So that's what I'm praying over your hearts this morning as well. And, you know, I, I had this thing in my heart kind of drop in. You know, Hebrews 13 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 6 talks about his unchanging nature. So if God is the same God always then I'm the denominator that's different. I see him differently. My heart posture is different. Because if he doesn't change, then it certainly isn't him. 
It's my heart. It's my place. And so how do I want to see him for what he wants to show me? Even in a story that we've all heard a hundred times about a burning bush. I want us to also, one thing that was, I know a lot of us have heard in even different ways we've heard it, but something that Michelle said really um, rang true in my heart is that familiarity breeds unbelief. When we know something for a really long time, right, we get really comfortable with the story. Let's not get comfortable with the story. Let's not get comfortable with the life of Moses because there's always revelation in the word. In the whole of the word of God, there's revelation to be had over and over and over. This song that's been playing in my home, I, I don't know why, but there's just something in it that I keep having on repeat. So I'm going to read these words. We're going to dig into Exodus 3. Dearest father, closest friend, I'm so in love with you. You're beautiful, so beautiful. I fix my eyes on you, and with just one look, everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same with just one look. Like Ephesians 1 says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. So God, right now we just pray that there is a fresh wind in this place, fresh revelation, new eyes to see what you want to show us this morning. Lord, we thank you for this company of women that you've gathered together. We love you and we give it all to you and may it be for your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Harriet said, we wrap up Exodus 2, and, you know, one verse, Moses is a baby, and the next verse, he's grown up, and he's killed a man. So it's like, it's a lot, you know, we miss a little gap of Moses' time. I'm not going to pretend that I know what happened there. He was being taught and doing things, but he did kill an Egyptian man for, for hurting an Israelite. He did flee to Midian, and he did marry a woman named Zipporah. That's where we find him in Exodus 3. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read much of the text from Exodus 3 and then reference that as we carry on this morning. So Exodus 3 begins. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, Zipporah's dad, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now many scholars believe that Horab, excuse me, and Mount Sinai are the same place where the Ten Commandments were breathed. So um, there is an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? 
God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that is who I have sent you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So we have this lengthy text. It continues on, of course. He he goes on to say, even in verse 17, that I have promised to bring you up out. I have promised the character of who God is. So we start Exodus 3 with Moses tending some sheep, right? Now I'm going to tell you, okay, we have Jethro here in the story. Jethro is also known in the Bible as Reuel and Hobab. So he's got several names, so you know, I just didn't want you to be confused by that. But it's fine. In this story, it's Jethro. So Jethro, his name means overflowing or abundance. And so, you know, he's got the abundance Moses has got the abundance of his flocks, abundance of whatever. But, you know, when we see this story, Moses is 80 at this time. So I'm like, I start thinking, I put myself, you know, sometimes you put yourself in those shoes, and I'm thinking, whew, if I'm at that part of my life and I'm still tending somebody else's sheep, they're not even my sheep. I don't even have nothing that's mine. I'm tending his sheep. Like, I'm thinking Moses was probably like, okay, Let's go. Now, he, pro- he was probably an amazing man of the Lord. I'm saying this is my heart. This is like the dark circle in my own heart that I'd be like, okay, here I am. I'm tending a sheep. Let's go. Let's do this on the backside of the desert. I'm thinking he may have been a little downcast. He may have forgotten how to fix his eyes on God, on a Savior, on his King. But God saw him. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. He thought, I'll go over and see this strange thing. The Lord saw that he had gone over, and he said, Moses, Moses. See, notice that the Lord was there the whole time. Moses had to take a step. He had to move closer to have the encounter with a holy God. It's our choice. It's our choice. He's always there. Remember, he's the same God. He doesn't move. He doesn't shake. It's our decision. So number one today, you know I like to have points, sorry. Number one today is God calls you by name. It's just like God to intercede, right, in Moses' daily life while he's tending his sheep. I mean, he he did that with others in the Bible, Gideon while he was threshing wheat, and Elisha while he was plowing a field. That's who God is. He did it with some shepherds in Luke 2 to tell them of the, the greatest miracle, the thing that would change history forever, that a Messiah was born. Glory to God in the highest. That that's who God is. He will meet us in our daily circumstances, in our daily occurrences. Keyboard to cooktop, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, he's going to meet you there. 
It's our decision if we see him, if we hear him call our name. Moses quite possibly felt like the forgotten shepherd on the backside of the desert, but he was important to God. The double call Moses, Moses is seen other times in Scripture. Abraham, Abraham, Samuel, Samuel, Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha, Saul, Saul. We see the double call. There's importance on the double call. There's urgency. God wanted Moses' attention. Isaiah 43 says, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. He calls you his. Isaiah 49, before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He has called me out before I could even draw my first breath. That's what he says to us. Casey, Casey, Harriet, Harriet. He wants our attention. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. And he's right there for us and meets us right where we are. It's comforting to know that he knows my name. Number two, God sees, hears, and knows. It's right there in the, in the text. The Lord said, I have indeed seen. Next sentence, I have heard. Next sentence, I am concerned. He cares. He knows. Every need of your heart and every need of mine. He saw the Israelites' misery. He knew what kind of pain they were in. He heard their cries. They're wailing, the word tells us. He knew they were in bondage, but he cares. He is the rescuer. He is the rescuer. He's so good. I love those words. You know, Nicole often brings out the, uh, some words in the New Testament, must needs go. And there's something, when the Lord does something unique with his words, and in this scripture, he doesn't just say, I'm going to bring you out. He says, I'm going to bring you up out. That's significant. How many times do I say that I'm going to bring you up out? No, I'm going to get you out of here. Like, let's go. I'm going to get you out of here. I don't say I'm going to bring you up out. So that is significant language that the Lord is using here. We have to lift our eyes up before we can walk out of something Psalm 40 says that he will lift us up out of the pit, set us on the rock, and put a new song in our mouth. He's lifting us up to go out. One day, years ago, I was driving, just dropped the children off at school, and I don't remember why my heart was downcast. You know, I mean, just seasons of life. But I remember crying out to him in the car. And I just said, God, I need to see you. I need to see you. Tears streaming down my cheeks. I don't know. I don't know where you are. And I need a glimpse of you. And I remember the beautiful whisper of the Lord's voice say, look up. On this very cloudy day, no peaking of sunshine. And in the moment that I looked up, there was a circle in the clouds with a cross as clear to me, cut out 
I don't know if that was just for my eyes or if that was there for all the people in Wilmington and Leland to see. I don't know, but I saw it. I saw it, and he said, I need you to trust me because I love you. Audible. Audible, I heard him. Visually, I saw him. And it did something inside of me that was a strengthening. I said, oh, God, I need you. Thank you for seeing me, for hearing me, and for knowing who I am. I think about this story of Moses, and I think, of course it was for Moses. We know that. But could anyone else see the burning bush? Or could just Moses? If somebody, if another shepherd had walked by, would they have been like, what is Moses doing talking to this bush? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know the revelation in that. I don't know if that was for just Moses' eyes or for others. We know it was for Moses' eyes. But could someone else have seen it? Could someone else have seen the, the cross in the clouds? I don't know. You don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. This was the first time in Exodus 3 that the Lord calls Israel my people. He says, my people. It's a declarative, personal statement that he's using about Israel. These are my people, and I see my people in misery. Be clear, I know. Be clear, I know. God also reminds us of who he is in this text. You know, there's so much on identity that we can't know who we are until we know who he is. And when we grab hold of that, when we grab hold of that, then we have such a beautiful, such a better understanding of who we are, who we're created to be. So often we think it's selfish to think about those things. It's not. You were designed by the most perfect creator with purpose, with destiny, with vision for your life. God tells us in this passage that he is holy, he's faithful, and he promises. He says, he saw Moses, here I am. Do not come any closer, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. He's a holy God. The image of the fire represents a refining and a purity toward God's majesty, his holiness. There's an imagery in fire. You know, we get it all throughout Scripture. But isn't it a beautiful thing that God is, dare I say, poetic. That seems so frail to say it that way, but such a beautiful representation of his love, his message to us that he would speak to Moses in a fire and then he would lead them across the Red Sea with that fire lighting the way, freeing freeing the people because he's bringing them up out because he has indeed seen. He has indeed heard 
and he is very concerned. He's making a way. A similar life-transforming moment is also found in Isaiah 6. Isaiah experienced God's awesome holy presence. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. (laughs) When we experience a burning bush moment with God, we will surely be in awe of his holy presence. There's not one of us that hasn't had a burning bush moment. We've had a burning bush moment where we heard God's voice, where we heard him speak to us, crying out, Here's what, I, here's what I see in you. Here's what I want your next steps to be. He's always speaking. Question is, are we listening? Not only did God call Moses by name, he also revealed himself by name. I mean, isn't that just like God? He said, let me, let me remind you who I am. I am. I am who I am. That, that is what? I am who I am. I am in Hebrew is Ahe. So that saying that I am who I am is Ahe, Asher, Ahe. It is E-H-Y-E-H and Asher and then again. It means to be... It was used often in their times in, he- in he- the Hebrew language. It meant, though, in context, I am watching the sheep. I am walking on the road. I am in a great company of women. I am. But when it's used in its singular form, I am, it is self- self-sufficient, It is unchanging. It is immediately present. It has a completely different meaning. See, God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. It is not contingent upon any circumstances that I might be facing. Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who opened up the ocean (laughs) is making a way for whatever your circumstance is right now. That's who he is. And when you forget, when you forget who he is, (laughs) remind yourself of all the beauty from all the heroes of the faith we have, and then look in the mirror. Because the same God that lived in them lives in you. I am. I am. He is unchanging. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come. It's his desire for us to come into alignment with that. (laughs) He said, I am promising to free them. I am promising to do that. That's what the scripture tells me. I am promising to bring them up out. God isn't bound by time. 
There's never a time that he wasn't. Exodus 3.20, as we look further in this text, says this. This is like, kind of blows my mind a little bit. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. Then in Exodus 11.7, but among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at a person or an animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. See, he didn't just set them free. He set them apart. Because that's who he is. He doesn't say, oh, let me pat y'all on the head. You're really doing it. Way to go. Oh, my Lord. He says, I see you and I know. And in my perfect timing, I am going to swoop them up and swoop them out of all that they've been walking in. For generations, among generations, they've been doing this. But God says, oh no, but I have set them apart because not even a dog will be able to bark at them. That's the wonders that they'll see. The protection, his protection is ours. We are his people. Then God reminds us who we are. Moses asked, who am I? Who am I? You are his, Moses. You are his. Three people I want to look at. Not that we give a lot of time to Pharaoh, but I'm going to look at him. Because, unfortunately, when I look at him, I see a little bit of all of them in my life. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig that out a little bit. Pharaoh stood in opposition of the Lord. Now, he, he, he did not love the Lord. Now, that clearly not hard. <laughs> but he also did not believe in the I am, except for when the finger was pointing this way. Because Pharaoh thought that any situation that came along, he could handle it. I am actually I am. And I'm going to tackle everything. And by the strength of my own arm, by my own will, by my own power, I'm going to fix all this over here. Yeah, I had to look, look hard at that. Now, I'm not in opposition of the Lord. However, my heart sometimes can be contrary to his plan when I get in my own way. Pharaoh was for sure in his own way. For sure. Then we have the Israelites. I spent a lot of time digging out the Israelites. And I have spent a lot of time, like, why are y'all so, man, you're so ungrateful. Like, you're grumbling all the time, like you were brought out. And I felt like the Lord said, huh, it's all they knew. Bondage is just that. It's binding. It's binding. If I don't know another way, for 400 years, they had known nothing but slavery. For 400, generations upon generations knew nothing else. I know what to expect in that environment, right? If that's all I've ever known, I don't like it. It really stinks. 
I'm in pain. I cry. I'm sometimes fed. I don't know the circumstances, but that's all that they had ever known. And I thought, man, I'm bound. I can be bound by circumstances. I can be bound by unforgiveness. I can be bound by offense. I can be bound by sin, by pain. How often do I want to go back and grumble? Can you believe she did that? Can I believe how awesome I am is? How often do I turn back and look at what's been because it's familiar, because it's comfortable, because it's what I know, instead of saying, oh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I lift my eyes from where my help comes from. I will not be downcast. I will not look back. I will move as you have called me to move. There are many times I have been no better than the Israelites. So as we think about them, let's remember. Let's remember what they had gone through. The pain of where they were the stories on their hearts. They didn't know victory yet. They didn't have their testimony yet. Even through the miracles that they had seen. Right? Listen, I have seen some miracles in my life. Some real miracles. Healing miracles in my own children. I have seen your testimonies of miracles, of God's hand, his love, his heart. But man, in an instant, the enemy can slide in fear like a calling card. Say, hey, hey, girl. Hey, Gina, Gina. Then I want to go over here and hear God's voice. Hey, Gina, Gina. I'm calling you. I'm calling you up out. Don't look at that mess. That's not your destiny, that's not your identity, and that's not who I've called you to be. How about Saul? I mean, he hated Christians. He was killing them. But one encounter, scales fell. Paul, (laughs) one of the greatest heroes of the faith, A man who loved the Lord, no matter his circumstances, no matter whether he was writing from prison, singing with chains on his hands and feet. He loved God. One encounter changed his life. How often is that for us? (laughs) We're bound, but we're called to be free. Then we have Moses. I love verse 12. I love when God gives absolutes. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. Not you can, not you might. You will. You will. Because it will be the only overflow of your heart. 
It will be the only posture that you have to give. Because when you see the amazing miracles that God can, will, and did, there's no other response than worship. It's like Harriet said on week one, when a baby is born, Yahweh, their first cry is the name of Jesus. The word tells us that even the rocks will cry out if we don't. So our response when we see his face, when we hear his call, is, oh God, I give it all back to you. I push back any fear. I push back any voice that is calling me contrary to who you are, the I am. God tells us who you are. He tells me who I am. Dig into that a little bit. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've said it over here. You've got a gift in you that no one else has. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a speaker. Maybe you're a helper. Maybe you're an encourager. Do you know that so often, um, I don't even, I don't, I'm off. So often we minimize the gift of encouragement. We're like, oh, we should all have that. Now let me tell you, when I have a card that comes my way, nothing, nothing in it but the words of that person's heart, oh man, I, I will be a weepy mess and I'll read that thing 30 times. An encourager, especially an encourager in this day and age, oh, there, 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 could, be, there could be no greater gift than when we get out of our own way and say, hey, I, I see you. I see you and I, I want to give you a word. I want to tell you how awesome you are. But whatever that thing is that you've tucked back here, maybe even hidden, because you're like, if anybody else knows I got this gift, they might want it from me. Don't, don't do none of that. Mm -mm. We're all here to champion one another. We're not in competition. We're here to help one another grow in the full calling of God's heart over each one of us. We're a great company of women, if I do say so myself. Y'all are awesome. And I want for my life every bit of what y'all offer. There is something I know a grand majority of you personally, and I know that you all carry different gifts. And I'm like, I want that. Well, that joy, mm, I needed that touch of joy this morning. Thank you. Mm. Oh, yeah, I needed to talk about those pants this morning because those are awesome. But the smile, the heart, all of that is a beautiful posture of who the Lord is. <laughs> That's who we are. We're created in his image. So when all we have left to do, all we have left to do is to worship, is to worship him. He has promised to get us up out. He has called us. He sees, he hears, he knows every detail of your life. 
He has called you mine. You are his. And he is the great I am. And what we will be doing around his throne is worshiping holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who will be forever, forever. Trust his heart for you. Trust that he sees you. That's probably been one of the hardest things in this last two years, and one of the things I've heard the most is I feel unseen. You're seen. You're seen in this company of women. You're seen in a million other places, I have no doubt. But let me tell you the most important place you're seen. You're seen by your Father who loves you. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. And mine are falling out at rapid pace. So (laughs) he's keeping up well. He's that personal. He's that intimate. Let him reach down. Kiss you on the forehead as you look up into his face. And let him pull you up out of whatever you may be walking in today. And then listen for the crackling of the burning bush because he's calling you. Today's the day for you to see. Do you hear the birds singing outside? Like that, on cue, God. (laughs) Well done, (laughs) well done. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loved Moses. He loves his people. (laughs) Who knows what God can reveal to us in our own burning bush encounter? (laughs) So that's your question today. What is... What was my burning bush moment? Maybe you've had lots of them. Maybe you've had something that comes straight to your mind like a cross in the clouds. It could be so many things. But ask him, what was that marked moment when I knew that you saw me I knew that you heard my cries, and I could hear you say my name. Think about that moment. Remember it, because it's also going to remind you who he is and who you are as you remember. So before we go to small groups, I'm just going to pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you that you call us yours. You call us by name. Your personal touch, Lord, that 
You not only want to set us free, but you have set us apart. And so, God, I just pray right now for blessings over every woman here. I pray for the recollection even of of those moments, God, that they have encountered you. Give us new eyes, new revelation, fresh wind. We love you, Lord, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.